Hey y'all, welcome to a very special episode of Parents Are People. Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of Parents Are People. This is a very special episode because it's dropping on Mother's Day. This is our Mother's Day special episode. And because of that, I have three special guests coming on to share about three special mothers in their lives. Shate, Andre, and Kwanda. Kwanda um, has been featured on a previous episode titled Letting Go to Be Free. They take us on a journey to share with us about the mothers in their lives. And honestly, y'all, if by the end of this, you don't call your mama, you better call your mama. You should be calling her today anyway because it's Mother's Day. But if you weren't going to, doggone it, call your mother, okay? Tell her thank you. Tell her you love her. If she's close by, go visit. All right? Okay, now let's get into this episode. Thanks for listening. Hey, Shatay, welcome to the podcast. Hello, Ashley. Thanks for having me. Can you tell us a little bit about you? Sure. My name is Shatay. I live in Greer, South Carolina. I'm a pediatric social worker. I don't have any children. I have two nephews and a niece who I love very dearly. They take all of my money. And I also have a little doll and she's just as expensive as they are. So tell me about your mom. Oh, man. So my mom is also a social worker and she is, we call her like Mrs. Fix-It. So anytime we need a table built, a bed, a shelf, painting, what else do we do? Like insulation in the roof, you name it, she can do it. Like as long as she, she doesn't mind following instructions. She's just so amazing when it comes to like putting stuff together. So my dad is They've been married for 31 years, so he's been very active, very present, but he just was not, God did not give him that ability, (laughs) so my mom is definitely that person. I love that. So she's fixing a woman after She is misfixing, yes, (laughs) and then she's a very important resource in our community, like if people need help with SNAP applications, daycare, you know, any kind of resource that people need, employment all kinds of things. People come and see her and she's always willing to kind of just jump in and do what she can for people. I think it's interesting that your mom, that you became a social worker. Was that influenced by your mom or did you kind of fall into it on your own? That's a good question. So I didn't realize my mom was a social worker growing up. So, cause even though she, so she has a bachelor's in social work, but she's always been in the education realm. So like Early childhood, she worked for Head Start. Right now, she trains daycare workers and really kind of goes out and observes daycares just to make sure that they're following proper protocol. So she's always been in the early childhood world. And so when I thought about becoming a social worker, I didn't make that correlation that that's what, that's what she was or who she is. Okay. But I've picked up a lot of traits from her. Like I'm definitely like a go-to person, a resource. I try to be a resource in my community to the people that, you know, my family and friends, anybody I come in contact with. So she definitely paved that path for me in that instance. Wow. That's really cool. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> that's interesting. Like I didn't really necessarily realize that that was what she was doing. Definitely, yes. But I picked up some qualities that kind of got <laughs> me on this same path too. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me about y'all's relationship? Yes. So I am the oldest child. 
So I'm very close with my mom now. I can remember like in my teenage years, of course, when I thought I knew everything, like we was like oil and water, but now we're very close. She's definitely somebody that a big support system. Anytime I'm looking to make decisions or, you know, any kind of advice sometimes, you know, cause I'll be trying to do my own thing. But no, yeah, me and my mom are very close. And then I have a younger sister. So we kind of like the three amigos. What do you think contributes to that closeness? She has always been like a nurturer, I want to say. So my dad is kind of the complete opposite. Very like military, very black and white, straight to the point, disciplinary. And my mom has always been like that softer touch. And so just, she's always just been very in tune. Like there, there were times like, she could always know when something was wrong, even if I didn't say anything, or even if I said, oh, nothing's wrong, she would always pick up on that. And even as an adult, she still, you know, so she just has that motherly instinct on point, like her radar is right there. So it's safe to say you feel like your mom's a good mom. Yes. She's a great mom. She's a great mom. That's awesome. Is there anything that you would want to thank your mom for? I just want to thank her for just being such a good role model and an example. My mom is definitely kind of like Michelle Obama in the sense, like when they go low, we go high. My mama is definitely that person. I'd be like, I don't want to go high. I want to go low, you know, with them. So she's also a person that keeps me very grounded because I think in the hustle and bustle of, of the world, it's easy to focus on like what this person is doing or what that person has. And she's always kept me grounded in regards to like, what God has for you is for you. It's okay to run your course, what you have, what you don't have. Like she's just always been really, really good about that. And I want to say thank you because a lot of times people go chasing after things just to realize even when you get it, you're still not happy. So she's taught me that being fulfilled is the best thing. And so I appreciate her for that. I love that. I love that. And I love that you share that with us all as well. Yes, definitely. Come mom. She's a special lady. Special lady. She okay. is. One other thing too that I want to share. So she is very much a caregiver. And for those who are caregivers, people realize the strength that it takes to be a caregiver, not only to take care of yourself, but to take care of your loved ones. And my mom, like my grandma, my mom's mom, my mom helps take care of her. She goes out there every day and kind of sees her daily helps with her medicine and her insulin shot. And so it's just, you know, to do something like that every day is very selfless. And I really appreciate her doing that. Sometimes too, when you're a caregiver, you don't always get the thanks that you need or the thanks that you deserve. You know, sometimes people just kind of take it for granted. And so I want to tell her like, thank you for being a good caregiver. Thank you for always going above and beyond for everybody else. And I know there were times where she might not necessarily had it, but she always made sure that the people around her, the ones that she loved, you know, were taken care of to the best of her ability. And I don't feel like she always got thanks for that. So I want to say thank you for that too. You're right. There's lots of times moms do things, but it sounds like your mom does a lot that is, it can be thankless work, especially man, all around. So she's just all around, just giving, giving, giving. All around all around always accessible which I think now in my adult years like maybe that's not always a good thing but she does it well like she does it with a smile even when she's frustrated so my sister who have who has the kids so my mom is a Gigi 
probably the best thing to be in the mom. Like she don't push us to the side now. So like, there's been times where even when she doesn't feel good physically and the kids want to come over, she's always going to get them. Like Gigi is never going to like tell them no. So Mm -hmm. she just, she's all around amazing. (laughs) So how do we get back to mom and give her some rest and some care? Does she receive care? She does for the most part. She likes to travel and her and my dad like to go to concerts. They go to football games. We just came back from a girl's trip that my mom plans every, here's another thing that she does. She plans an annual girl's trip uh, for like my aunts, my cousins, some of our friends. And it's a lot of us. My dad is one out of seven kids. So you can imagine how many cousins I have, family members. And so she takes that on every year. She plans like an annual girl trip. And so this year we went to Houston, which was really nice. And she's just, she's amazing. I mean, she just does so much. She does so much. (laughs) She definitely sounds like. So we try to take care of her to the best of our ability. So yeah. Well, when you put that much love out, you know, it's got to be reciprocating and coming back in some kind of way. So how many of you all ended up on this, on this girl's trip? So it was 13 of us. Wow. Yep. And so usually... So she started at maybe, this might've been like the fourth year that we've done it. And so usually we, we're in South Carolina. So we usually go to places like Tennessee mountains. We went to like a beach near like Myrtle. It wasn't Myrtle beach, but it was near Myrtle beach. And I feel like we've done one other place. So this was the first time that we flew. Like we actually did something out of the state, which was different for her. But she, again, she did an amazing job. She got, you know, group rates for flights. She found the house. We had a whole itinerary, you know, transportation and for a little of nothing. Another thing, my mom is very frugal, which can be a good, a good trait in some instances. So yeah, so we made it work and it was just, it was good. Everybody really enjoyed it. Sounds like it's good to know your mom. <laughs> yes, definitely, definitely. You did get swooped up in all the love and stuff that's going on around. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yes, yeah. definitely. Again, just echoing like she's just been a great role model in regards to being a wife and being a mom and being like superwoman all at the same instances. She just just kind of being there for everybody. And I think the one thing I, I think that she should probably do a little bit more is to, to be a little bit more selfish with herself because she is so giving. It's okay for her to like pour back into herself or take a step and say, hey, I might not have the capacity today. The complete opposite of what she normally is. Like just for her to know, like, it's okay. It's, it's okay. okay. Yeah. Yes. yes. Let's let all the givers know. <laughs> It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. Mm-hmm. People will still love you, even if you tell them no sometimes. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Awesome. I appreciate you for sharing your mom with us and telling us about her. And I hope that she hears this and has a very happy Mother's Day. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you. Hey, Andre, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for being here. Can you tell us a little bit about you? My name is Andre. I am from Augusta, Georgia, St. Mizzou. Uh, went to high school with you. Now I am in the Army, and I am in a cold place called Wisconsin. And it sucks, but <laughs> it's also fun, too. So, yeah, that's me. Oh, no, it sucks in Wisconsin? I mean, 
it's not horrible. It's just we had a very long winter. Like winter lasted from October until today, really. Like it's, it's supposed to snow some more today, so we'll see. Gotcha. Okay. Well, thank you for joining me for this very special episode. Tell me a little bit about the mother in your life who we're here to talk about today. Okay. So the mother in my life is my wife, Casey. And she is a great mother. She, first of all, she's a great wife, but someone that has translated into motherhood. And I knew that was going to happen, but I didn't expect it to be like it is. And I tell her that all the time. I'm always impressed when I like go to other people's houses, like our friends, and I kind of see how they live compared to how we live. Nothing's wrong with how they live. It's just that my wife is very tidy, very clean to the point where it's like, she notices the small little things that are place, whatever. And I tell her she's trained me to be the same way because I mean, I'm not that person, I'm not clean, my, well, that clean anyway. But when I go to other people's houses and I see stuff like, I'm like, hey, Casey would like be so mad about this and this and this and this, this. But what that's done though, is creating an environment for our son where he is not exposed to a lot of different things that other kids are exposed to. And that kind of hurt us at first when I going to daycare because he got sick a lot. But since going to daycare, he's kind of like acclimated to just the day-to-day germs that are out there. So it's not as bad, but he lives in a very clean environment. So I like it because like I said, I see some of our friends have to go through and I, I, I like where we're at. I put it like that. Okay. So what were the things that you saw before you guys had your son that you were like, oh yeah, I think these could translate to, she's going to be a great mom. She's very attentive to her surroundings. I call it nosy when it comes to like her mom, but she's not as bad as her mom. Her mom's nosy, but she's very attentive to her surroundings. And by way of that, she's attentive to who's around me. So she will notice something about someone's energy before I do. And then she'll pull me to the side and she'll be like, hey, you need to watch that person. And she, like eight times out of 10, she's right. Like it's something going on that I just didn't see. So she's very intuitive like that. And that I like it again because she sees things that I don't see, which is how it's supposed to be anyway, like, like complimenting each other. Mm-hmm. And that's translated for our son. Like, like she notices things about him like the changes in his behavior or just the way that he, he does things like as soon as it happens. So we know like most of the time, like something's going on with him. And it's just, it's, it's just a really good trait to have because I, I am not that person. Like I, I was I'm oblivious, but in my mind, if I'm not like actively trying to be tuned to something, I'm going to miss it. Like if, if I'm not focused on it, I'm not going to pay attention to it. Cause at that point in time, I just don't care. Right. Uh, I blame that on a lot of my experiences. Some things just aren't as important to me. And if it's not something I deem as worthy of my attention at that moment, it's not going to have it. And she backs that up for me. So whereas things like I don't really care about, she does and she notices it and then brings it to my attention. That's why I'm like, okay, I need to be the patient at that. So yeah, it works out. That kind of leads into what I was going to ask too, is like, what is it like for you to be a part of this parenting team with your wife? Like, what is it yeah. like? She makes it super easy. And I mean, I, I've always, I'm, I knew, I'm the one that wanted kids. I think the more of us do. She wants kids too, but I think I want it and more just of who I am and what I want in my life. So I knew that when we had a, a child, I was going to do the best that I could to be the best father I could. And she enables me to do that. I'm not the most nurturing guy, uh, <laughs> but I'm a get stuff done kind of guy. So 
she brings that nurturing part of it in. When I say nurturing, I mean like the things I, I just don't think about, like, you know, making sure that we have the right lotion for his eczema, right? Or making sure that we're getting the soap that doesn't have like the, I forgot it was like the parabens or flea, whatever it's called, that's known to cause cancer. Make sure that we're looking at the labels on the back of the food that we buy them to make sure it doesn't have too much sugar or whatever, stuff like that. You know, like me, I would just go, like, he wants this, I want to go grab that, that's what he wants, whatever, right? But again, like she's taught me that stuff and like made me attuned to it. So I'm doing it now when I'm out and getting him stuff or when I'm, the, the biggest thing is like his hair, right? Cause he doesn't have, I got, I got like, like Negro hair, <laughs> like it's nappy. But her side of the family has a lot of Caucasians and Native Americans. So his hair is very fine and curly. And I'm not good with that, right? Uh, so she's taught me how to do his hair to where he doesn't look crappy when he goes out in public, right? It's just, it's, it's so many things I could list. I'm in, I'm in his room right now. And just like the things in his room, like we have a safari thing. So like a lot of his stuff has elephants and giraffes. Some of it's like little plants and like fake plants and stuff everywhere. And it's just, it all makes sense, right? Like she painted his letters to have, like to go with the colors of like the theme of the safari. I would have thought of nothing like that, whatever. But I think it's really, really cool. So. I don't know. Yeah, it's just, it's dope having her as a wife and in her creativity. Some of that comes from her being a teacher, you know, she's a special ed teacher. So she has to be creative because the children that she, she teaches, she does severe needs special ed. So those kids will never have a life of their own, whatever, like that. Like she does like a lot of like life skill stuff, like just learning how to wash your own clothes and stuff like that. So her being that creative and teaching them just how to live as a basic human being, she brings that to our family. And with our son, he just, he has everything he needs to learn. I, I think he, he's already smart, but I think he's gonna be really, really smart messing around with her and me, so, but yeah. I love it, that's awesome. Cause it sounds like you genuinely appreciate everything that she brings into the family, into y'all's family. Oh, definitely. Like, I know that if she wasn't around, meaning like, she, like she, she's only went on one trip since we've, had our son by herself. She was on like four days to like a bachelorette weekend kind of thing. And I'm gone more than she is because of my job. So she's left with our son by herself more than I am. But I've always told her like, hey, like, you know, if you want to take, you know, a week or two, I'm, I'll be fine. Like, I may not do things the way you want me to do them, but he'll be fine. Like, he'll be alive when you get back here. But it's funny to me because it's like, I know that I can take care of him and he'll be fine. And, you know, we'll make it through. But I also know that she's going to do a lot more than I am, a lot more. And it puts some stress on her. And I tell her that all the time. Like, you know, I, I love everything that you do. I'm not saying I don't appreciate it. But you can fall back a little bit. Like, you don't have to, to do all this stuff. You know, like, you're making it more stressful on yourself. So, yeah. Is there anything that you want to celebrate about your wife? I would say just her, I would say her kindness and her patience. Because... I think that I'm a patient person simply because I know how to, there, there are times where I overreact, but there are also times where I like, I wait because the first reaction is usually not the best reaction to process situations. And with her, it's kind of the same way in, in a different sense. Me is more of a survival, make sure our family's good, protection out in public or dealing with strangers kind of thing. Hers is a more, hey, let's pause on this thing that we're finna do and make sure that it doesn't affect our family in a negative way, right? Like, it, it could be for anything. It could, it could be from grocery shopping 
and spending 300 versus 250. It could be from buying plane tickets to go visit family. It could be from signing him up a day. Like whatever our decisions are in life, like she, she sometimes she takes too long to decide in my, in my opinion, but her patience and her tenderness allows her better decision-making and it keeps us on track because if we did everything the way I want to do it, well, I'm just like, I, we need to get it done kind of thing. I think we'd be in a different situation than we are right now. And again, that's just, that's marriage. Like, that's just having someone to compliment some of the things that you lack. So, yeah. That's really dope. Can you tell us a little bit about your son? How old is he? He is 18 months today. Hey! <laughs> He's 18 months today. He is absolutely amazing. He's the best thing that ever happened to us. His name is Elias Frank. Frank for his grandfather on her side, or great-grandfather on her side, to her grandpa. And then Elias, because I wanted a Hebrew name that has some meaning. So Elias means Yahweh's my God, which he is. So, yeah, he was a preemie. He was born at 34 weeks. So he's catching up. He just had a walk in two weeks ago. So you're dealing with that. He is everywhere. But he's the cutest, sweetest little thing. All he wants to do is laugh and play. Yeah, he's awesome. He's super cute. I imagine I was challenging going through the process of being able to bring him home. I know that was difficult. Yeah, so she was diagnosed with preeclampsia at about 30 weeks. And at that point, I remember like the day that, that it happened, like everything just stopped. Like it was like, hey, luckily the hospital was like literally two miles down the road from where we live at. And it was like, hey, go pack a bag come back here, we're admitting her, you guys can't leave. And then we're gonna be here until the baby comes and we're gonna shoot for, they just said, I think originally it was 37 weeks and it was like, we're gonna bring 934. Mm -hmm. She was in the hospital for about three and a half weeks prior to the birth. And luckily I just came out of command and my boss was like super supportive. And he was like, hey, just go work from the hospital. You know, like you're done, your placement's already here. You're already transitioned. You've signed everything that you need to do. And so anything that we need, you can just, you know, have a computer and do it. I'm like, all right, cool. I had to take leave anything. So then after he was born, he was still, like I said, a preemie. So he was in the NICU for like 12 days. And even then, boss still like, hey, you know, take talk, take all the time you need. And then when you get when you bring him home, then you're gonna take your paternity leave. Too easy. So when they finally released him, and it was it was so Tacoma General is where we where he was born at, and uh, it's known to be one of the best prenatal hospitals in the area, like a lot of areas come bring the children in after they're born to Tacoma General. So they were really, really great. But with COVID going on, mm. and just ever since COVID started, the nurses are just, they're short staffed. So there were times where him being a preemie, in order for him to leave the hospital, he had to meet certain milestones, right? And one of those was eating on his own and eating a full meal that a newborn supposed to eat. And he wasn't doing that at first, but it's also because they weren't giving him time to do it. Like they were giving him, you know, about 10 to 20 minutes to finish the little thing they had before they moved on to the next child, which I get, they had to rotate between the children. So we made it a point that when we was there, we were gonna feed him and we took however long it was gonna take to feed him. And that worked like, again, like the patient with him, he ate with us, ate a lot better with us because we wasn't rushing him. Like we was like, hey, you know, it's our baby, we're gonna feed him. He wants to eat, he'll eat. So by doing that, we were able to leave, I think, a lot sooner than we would have had we not done that. And it was just a scary situation, you know, like she wrote a letter to me 
in case she didn't make it. And it was like, I didn't know about it until like after, like we had came home and she showed me the letter. It was like, you know, in case I, I, I passed, I had a letter written for you. It's like, what the? F-? And then there was a situation where he had blood in one of his bowel movements. And so at first they were scared that because it was a preemie, his intestines hadn't developed her correctly. The doctor was amazing. And she was like, hey, that's usually what it is when that happens. But I think that maybe because it was a C-section, or she had C-section, he may have swallowed some of her blood. And we'll test for that. And that's what it was. So it's no issue. And the nurses told us like, yo, like we've never heard of that test before. Like we would have never tested for that had his doctor not been here. And we would assume that your child you know, to test the one developed directly and or correctly, and that would have made his stay longer. So it was, just, it was just so many things that happened, and we were just like so thankful that things worked out the way they did. And when he came home, it was just like you know, man, it was crazy. But he was born the day before Halloween, so when he came home. It was like right before Thanksgiving and Christmas and all that, and that is a blur. Like I barely remember anything about Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's that year because. He was a newborn. He was eating every two hours. And we were just up, you know, like just taking turns being up. So, yeah. It was a long journey, but y'all were there together. And I heard your comment of like, how did that feel for you knowing that she had written this letter with the idea that she might not have been here? It was it was crazy. I don't know what I would have done. I'm trying to think about it if she had made it because I deal with loss a little bit differently than other people. Because I've lost so many friends in my career. But with her, I, I think I would have lost it. <laughs> I got I think I would have lost it. And that letter, man, just it just really like like froze me for a second. I was like, man, she cause she she was telling me that and she mentioned it today, uh, ironically, that she would have chose him over her. And I was like, man, I don't know if I could have made a decision. So I'm glad you didn't have to like do that because I don't know if I could have made, I mean, I get it, you know, like give give him a chance at life. We've had our chance, but I don't know if I could have made a decision. I don't know if I could have chose that. So, yeah. Yeah, because it's your wife. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I'm glad you guys didn't have to make those decisions and didn't have to worry about that as well. Yeah. I get to just have your family. So yeah. excited for y'all. I will say that, that anyone who has a mother that's still living, obviously, and I need to do this to them, call mom right after this. Just call your mom, check in, because, you know, they they do so much for us that you don't see, especially when you're younger, but even when you're older. And sometimes just that, that phone call is just saying, I'm just thinking about you the next day. So, yeah. That's dope. I'm glad you shared that. So, everybody, call your mom. <laughs> She's doing yeah. a lot for you. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing. Hey, Kwanda, welcome back to Parents Are People. Thank you for having me again. I'm super excited to have you back for this episode. Can you give us a little hi from you intro today? I know you've been here before. Sure. I'm Kwanda Kenner. I have a master's in forensic psychology. I deal with mental health and people that are in the criminal justice system. I have one daughter. Her name is also Ashley. She's 30. Two granddaughters who are five and seven. And I'm married to my high school sweetheart after we were separated for years. We got back together and we've been married for 12 years. I think that's the same intro you gave. Same statement, exactly. Like, this is, this is me. This is who I am. This is who I am. <laughs> awesome. So we're going to talk about your mom. Can you tell us a little bit about, just tell us a little bit about your mom. 
my mom, as you know, and as I'm introducing to others, she passed away in 2016. But before then, she was a Southern girl born in Macon, Georgia. Her parents, unfortunately, passed away when she was 13 and 14. So she lost her parents back to back. She was the youngest out of, I think it's seven of them. She's the youngest. And by the time her parents passed away, there were probably like three of her siblings that were already four, sorry, four of her siblings that were already adults having their own families and things of that nature. So the youngest three went to go live with the older three. My mom stayed down this way and moved into the home of my aunt, the older sister. And she finished, you know, did all of her schooling down there. Moved to Connecticut when she was 18. She couldn't wait to get away from my aunt. (laughs) So she moved to Connecticut where her sister, the other sister that's two years older than her, they were really close. She moved up there where she was and also her older brother. And she met my dad. They got married. Well, she already knew my dad because my aunt is married to my uncle. Two sisters married two brothers. Mm -hmm. So she married my dad, stayed there for a while, had me, and then they separated, ended up divorcing. And she came back to Georgia where I was raised. My mom was an individual who was very giving, very caring. She had, you know, just like any other parent, she had things that she could have, you know, could have done differently. But in overall, she taught me how to love. She was a loving woman. She loved her family. She wanted them to be close. And she always, I don't care how many times in a day, I think I mentioned this the last time, I don't care how many times in a day I spoke to her. If, you know, in my older years when I wasn't living with her, every time we hung up, we said, I love you. So I learned my love language is telling you I love you, giving you a hug because that came from her. I saw her go through a lot. Her siblings weren't always nice to her, especially the older ones. (laughs) They weren't always very kind to my mom, but my mother was that person who could forgive. Like she was the epitome of forgiveness and forgiving right away. She forgave and was able to bounce back and just be as kind as she could. If you went to her house, anybody would tell you at her funeral, Everybody, my cousins, family, friends, they would always say you never left her house without anything because she always had a care packet for anybody that came over. Even my friends in high school, they always left with something from very minimal to something great. But she always had some little something to give somebody when they left her house. She was the kind of person that if you if she had twenty dollars and that was her last twenty, that's all she had. If somebody else needed it, she would give them their tw- that twenty dollars. I always, I chuckle about it now because I'm like, that's not me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm giving, but if I had the $20, I'm going to probably give you 10 or 15, but I'm going to keep something for myself to make sure, (laughs) you know, while you're over there buying you a sandwich, I can get one as well. Mm -hmm. So she was just that person though. She was always loving and giving. She went through a lot medically Um, from the time I can remember. I was, I remember being in ERs with her at three, four because she had severe migraines that would, I mean, they were debilitating to her. So she was always in the ER for that. And then as I got older, she had a lot of what I'm going to call quote unquote female issues, um, different things that were going on with her body. And when she passed away, she ended up passing away of sarcoma that had come back every two years since 2012. Mm. So, yeah, but that was her in a nutshell. She was just a loving, kind person, very loving. So what was that like for you growing up with her? I'm an only child and everybody used to ask me when I was younger, did I want siblings? And I'm like, no, cause I get my mom all to myself. <laughs> uh-huh. I don't have to share it with anybody. You know how you grow up and you think your parents one way or another, usually one of those parents are like superwoman or Superman. And that's what she was to me. 
she was my superwoman. I didn't, everywhere you look, she took me no, no matter where she was going, except for school and work, I was with her. So I, I loved her. I loved being around her. I loved having her around. Of course, we had those rocky years when I began to get older as a teenager because we were two different people. I'm more like my dad. She was always calm, play it, you know, play it safe. That person that I'm going to try something if I want to. And if I get burned, I know not to do it again. My mother wasn't like that. So she tried to protect me in the space of who she was rather than who I was becoming. But I loved, I loved having her around. I loved spending time with her. I didn't, we, <laughs> my mother back in those days, <laughs> she was at the school all the time. If she had a day off, she was like one of those, I forgot what they used to call them, parent assistants or something. Mm-hmm. And she would be there all the freaking time. She was always there in my school. So my my friends knew her. My classmates knew her. We went on field trips. She was there. I remember her taking school picture day. I had to be in, I want to say first grade. She had done my hair so pretty. But the little girl who was behind me, mom hadn't done her hair. Mm-hmm. So my mother decides that she's going to take some barrettes out of my head. <laughs> Okay. To make sure the young girl looks very pretty. As a first grader, I didn't understand that. You know, I understood it as I got older, what she was doing and she was taking care of somebody else's kids because that was her all the time. Always mm-hmm. taking care of somebody else. And I couldn't, I was like upset about it. Mm-hmm. Or we went to a field trip and all the kids wanted to sit by my mom. And I'm like, no, she's my mom. She's sitting with me. <laughs> so <laughs> I was really selfish when it came to her because she was my mom and I wanted her all to myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, hearing that example, I'm like, I can see why you're like, no, I don't want siblings. You mean they're going to share my stuff and my mom? Yes. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so what was it like y'all adult relationship as it formed as you got older and especially as you had your daughter? Because I know you guys were like three, three, three people. people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my relationship with her, like I said, it started to shift when I got my teenage years, because, you know, during that time you're developing who you are and you're keeping not really secrets, but you're more secretive from your parents because you have your own friends and you're sharing things with them. So you're not as forthcoming. Um, So our relationship began to shift a little bit. It didn't shift to the point where it was bad, excuse me, but it shifted because I was becoming older. And like I said, again, I was the adventurous one. I'll try anything at least one time. My mother was always safe and she wanted to protect me, like I said, in the space of where she was rather than who I was becoming. And so that caused some bumps on the head, but I was always wise enough. I was raised at a time where when your parents said something, you did what they said. There was no questioning it. There was no, let's have a conversation. No, I just did it. I mean, upset and all, I did what she wanted me to do. As I became an adult, it, get, it, it shifted, especially having my daughter, it shifted back to the way I was when I was a kid. Um, mm-hmm. It was more so her just looking, she told me one day, because she would, when I had my daughter, I was 19. And my mother, she told me after watching me taking care of my child, that she was like, I'm proud of you. I didn't know how this was going to play out. I didn't know if you were, I knew, I know you're a strong person, but I also know that you were spoiled along the way. So I didn't know how you were going to handle being a mom. And she's like, you're doing it perfectly. And that just, that did something else. And now I understand, you know, being a grandmother, watching your child become a mom is like, I understood where she was coming from. Like, how are they going to handle this? The worries that you have. And then when you see it blossom, like, okay. And the only thing I could say was, 
I watched you. You know what I'm saying? This is the example that you gave me. Again, she wasn't, you know, she did some things. And I mentioned it the last time I was here about even just reading my journal. There were things that I didn't, did not like, but I also was a believer that, again, parenting does not come with the manual. So you learn as you go. And for me, with becoming a mom, I took those things that I loved about what she did with me. And I put that into my relationship with my daughter and made it better. And then the things that I didn't like, I just changed. So our relationship as I became an adult became, it became better. Of course, moving out of her house became, <laughs> as an adult became even better because, you know, <laughs> could, I can be me and she can be her. And we can come together and be mom, daughter, grand, you know, grandma. So we were all good. When she got sick in 20, she's had, like I said, illnesses and she's had breast cancer. She had breast cancer when I was only like 17 going into my, I think I had just gotten into my senior year of high school. But the sarcoma was a totally different thing. And when she had got diagnosed the first time in 2012, the role started to reverse in our relationship. That was my baby at that point. And I need to know what's going on. I was at every doctor. I lived down here. She was in Connecticut again at that time. And I was traveling back and forth. 2012, 2014, got her down here. But our relationship at that point really took a different turn because I became her caregiver and I was the one making decisions for her medically. She trusted me to do that. I was paying all the bills. I was doing all these things for her to make sure she was didn't have to focus on that. She could just focus on getting better. So at that point, I became like the mom and she was my baby and you were not going to hurt my <laughs> So it was our relationship at the end was was even more beautiful than it began when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I watched her go through her illnesses with so much grace and dignity and never complaining that when she passed away, it made me become different. The way I handle things now is so different than I handled them in, in like 2010 mm-hmm. or even 2012 when she was first diagnosed because she went through that in the same way that she's always been, just loving and kind, checking on everybody else, making sure they're okay. So it was beautiful. It sounds like it. You got me over here a little <laughs> Because I can hear what a treasure was, I don't want to say lost, because it was her time and we transition and we move on, but a treasure that you you had, that you got to have here on this earth. Yes. And that's what, in all honesty, when she passed away, that's what kept my daughter and myself going, is the fact that we knew the time that we had spent was valuable. We weren't astray from one another. We weren't apart. We were always together. And we always told each other that we, I love you. So there was never a guessing moment in her life that she had to guess how we felt about her or how in our lives that we had to guess how she felt about us. We knew. So that was the greatest part of it in helping us get through. But it was also the part that left me empty because she had poured so much into me and I was so close to her that when she did transition, I lost it. I couldn't, I felt like I could, like you said, that treasure Like it was, you know, didn't know that I can go pick the treasure box back up and, you know, pick some things out and remember her. I wasn't about remembrance. I wanted her here because her presence, somebody with that much love and that much giving, their presence is missed. And she was, she still missed to this day. And like I was mentioning to you, you know, I've done the work. I've gone to counseling. I'm still going to counseling to help me talk about it. This conversation couldn't have taken place. This is 2023, even in 2021 it would not have been able to take place because I was still healing. I was trying to get to the healing place because I was still missing her. And I still miss her to this day, but knowing I can pull back on those things, you know, 
that we did and that we shared, I, I'm better now. I'm not 100%. I don't think I would ever be 100% where that is concerned, but I'm better than what I was and I get better each day. This coming weekend, next weekend, is already like in the back of my mind, like what, okay, this is, how do you deal with this? Because Mother's Day is really hard for me because I see everybody celebrating their mothers and I'm happy, but at the same time, I'm just like, I want my mom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember one day when we were working together, you know how they came around with those plants and flowers? And I was like, you were in my office that day. And I said, if somebody, one more person come by here talking about some freaking Mother Day plants, I'm going to go home. Yeah. <laughs> and I was I just had to close the door because I'm like, I can't take this. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's still times that I feel like that because you put it into, I mean, perfect words, it's this treasure that is no longer here. I can't reach out and touch her. I can't call her. So the emptiness that I feel is still there a lot of times, but I've learned how to allow myself to feel whatever I'm feeling. And it's okay. As long as I don't stay there, I can feel the heaviness and not have, or not want to get out of bed. And guess what? It's okay as long as I still get back up the next day or within moments later. So, yeah. I love it. You're giving us some keys for handling grief because this is what you're talking about is one of those things that like, you know, all of us in our journey are going to have to go through losing a parent, losing our moms, especially. And it's like, like I just, yeah. you know, and, and it's hard. Um, it's hard to even think on. And so I appreciate you sharing things like that, like saying, you know, you can enjoy those memories. You can revisit them. Yeah. You can I always tell even the people I work with, like, it's when it's family, like, like, for example, you have you and your daughter had that good relationship with her and you guys can share in your memories together mm-hmm. in that way. And there's no reason not to. And sometimes people, we get, it's like, well, I don't want to upset anyone. Yeah. I want to blah, 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 blah. So then they just don't end up talking about their loved one. But that's. That's compounding the issue. That's compounding the hurt. That's almost like, cause you go in your room by yourself and you're like, I, you know, you have these moments. So I think the first probably few months, everybody was walking on eggshells with me in that way. And I was like, no. And I had to tell my daughter, if you want to talk about her, it's fine. I'm, I'm probably going to cry and it's okay. You know, I'm hurting, but my granddaughter, the seven-year-old now, she was one when my mom passed away. And this is how awesome this woman was. A one-year-old remembered her because of the love that she gave even to her. Like, I've never seen a baby sob before, but months later, I guess she must have realized like she hadn't seen her. And probably my mom passed away in November. So it's probably like February of the next year. I was, I picked her up from daycare and I took her to her house. I had a key to their house because I got off earlier. So I took her to the house and I had her in a high chair and I was feeding her, letting her eat. And my phone happened to be on her high chair and a picture of my mom was a screensaver. And she saw it and she just went, chi-chi. And all of a sudden this, I mean, I've never seen it. Just weeping came out of her. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm, just, I'm sitting there like, oh my God, this baby is hurting from this too. And we didn't even think about that. And I just hugged her and I said, Gigi's with Jesus, okay? And I said, Gigi's better, she's with Jesus. And ever so often when she used to, when she was little, when she used to come to my house after that, she would point at the picture. She go, Gigi. And she'll look at me. She said, Jesus. And I'm like, 
<laughs> she's with Jesus. So I didn't really, you know, like that's the kind of person my mom was. She made such an impact that even to this day, the seven-year-old is telling my five-year-old about Gigi. She doesn't remember a lot because she's on, she was only one, but she remembers something about her. She just remembers her. When I asked him, like, you were a baby. What do you remember? She's like, I remember her holding me and feeding me ice. <laughs> oh, yeah. My mother used to feed her ice with a spoon. That's very specific. I'm like, yeah. how do you even remember? You know, like, but she remembers. And so even with her, we talk, we talk to her and especially the five-year-old who never got a chance to meet her. We share those memories with her so that she knows, like, this is where you come from. You come from a place where somebody was loving and kind and generous and that's who we want you to be you want you to have those same traits so we're teaching her so yeah we're using those moments those tearful moments to heal ourselves and teach the grandkids how to move along yes i love it beautiful (laughs) do you have any particular thing you want to celebrate from her life or even a cherished memory to share what we do now, my mom was the person like Thanksgiving and Christmas. She loved to like have family over and things of that nature. We don't do as big as she did, but I've gotten to the place where now that's my biggest time to cook for my family. I don't like it. I didn't like it before, but we get in the kitchen, even with the two grandkids and we're cooking together. So we kind of try to do that for the holidays because the holidays are hard to be, especially Christmas time. November starts our my it used to start my downhill spiral because she well October actually because she her birthday's in October. She passed away in November. Christmas is in December. Then January rolls around, eh, kind of okay. But February rolls around. This is my birthday and I don't have my mom. So like the winter months, usually from October, the end of fall, going into winter, I was a mess. Mm-hmm. I'm still I've gotten better each year, like I said, but during those times we try to do things that are going to Let's talk about her. Let's celebrate her. Instead of being down, we can cry, but let's come together and let's do some things. Memories are so, you, if I had like one memory, I couldn't even tell you one memory because there's so many that we have and that the things that we share. I do remember like being a kid, my mom, and this goes back to me being selfish with her. My mom would like to, her, my aunt, she always lived near my aunt. One of them that you live down here in Atlanta. So we always live close to her. And they used to like to go out to to dance and stuff on some Saturdays. And then they had found this group. I would never forget the name of the group, Splendor. Splendor. Okay. One of my elementary school friends, actually her dad was in the singing group and they would perform on certain weekends, whatever. So my mom, I was like, one, I remember one summer, like she was going every weekend to go see this group. So finally I got tired. Look, I got tired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was about nine. So I knew she was planning on going out I went and climbed in her bed at about nine o'clock and mm-hmm. acted like I was knocked out, like asleep <laughs> just so she wouldn't go. And she called my aunt and said, Quanda's in the bed sleeping. I'm not going to wake her up. I'm just going to stay here tonight. And we talked about that as an adult. And she's like, Quanda, I knew you were faking. She's like, I knew you were faking, but there was a reason if you were in the bed doing it, there was a reason why you were doing it. So I decided to go ahead and stay with you. So... <laughs> I mean, so that's, like I said, again, that's the person that she was. And all I remember is like, I used to, my uh, this particular, right now, my mom, the one that raised my mom, finished raising my mom, I would never pull this in her house. You know, mm-hmm. you know, people, I would never pull what I did in my Aunt Daisy's house. Mm-hmm. My mom and her, 
I would go, you know, like sometimes I would say I want to spend the night or either like my mom had plans and I would go over there and spend the night. But my mom used to always tell me, I'll be here when you wake up. I'm going to come back and I'll probably spend the night too. I would wake up about two o'clock in the morning and she wasn't there. I go look at my aunt's room, peep in there. She's nowhere and not in the living room. I would sit in my aunt's hallway and scream at the top of my lungs. I want my mommy. And my aunt would just, you know, just like tell her kids, they were like, oh God, here she go. And she was like, just turn it, look, just turn the hall light on for she wouldn't, you know, she just turned on like she would come back to bed in a minute. That's how my other aunt was. And rightfully so, I would like get tired of screaming, go get in the bed. But my mom used to always make sure she lived around, we lived around the corner. So even those days when I spent the night, she would always be there by the time I woke up. And she would always be there with breakfast and snacks for me. And she made sure that my eyes didn't open without her, without me seeing her. So those are the things that, you know, I treasure the most. And like I said, as becoming an adult, she let me be who I was. And she was always there, no matter what, you know, like I have those moments now where when I have those tough days, especially when we both were living in Connecticut, I had those rough days, I would just get off work, and I would go straight to my mom's house. And she already knew if I came over there, I'm going, I went straight to her bed, and I would just lay, crawl in her bed and just lay there and watch TV with her. Those are the times that I miss. Like, just nothing said. She would just go in there and start cooking. She wouldn't ask me what was wrong, because the difference with me, she knows that if I want to talk about it, I'll talk. If I don't, I'm not going to. And she didn't ask any questions. Instead, she would just go in there and she would cook. And she would, you know, (laughs) she would just let me be. And we would eat dinner together and we would laugh and talk and I would be okay. And times even when I got back down here and I had a manager that did some tricky stuff behind my back and I was so upset at work. And my husband is real calm when it comes to me. He'll calm down, do this, try to, but I didn't want to talk to him. I wanted my mom And she was the only person that could like talk me through things to get me back on a level place so that I didn't, because I was about to go in there and I was like the Tasmanian devil and tear up that building. And she talked me through it and she was like, you know, they're wrong. She's like, all you can do is pray for them, da, 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 da. But there's so many different memories that I have of her that I'm not limited to, you know, we always, we were always laughing. We were always, I mean, we were, we were laughing. I had to separate her and my daughter in church. That's how much laughter was going on. It sounds like, and I, and I always say this to parents, like kids always remember who showed up, like just showing up. And even from you talking about her being present in the school to her, just waking you up in the morning, making sure you know she's present, she's around and you're loved. I know that means a lot as a kid and then it built into you guys' relationship later on. That yeah, meant a whole lot. I can, and that was one of the things I said at her funeral. I can never, and I think that, I even said that that's what's going to hurt the most because She's never not been present in my life. Even when she was down here and I was in Connecticut or when I got back here and she was still up there, we talked to each other. Like I'm no lie, Ashley, at least seven to 10 times a day on the phone. We, we talked to each other like I was right there. We watched the same shows together and we'd be like doing a commercial call. I'm like, did you see that? What's going on with it? You know, or even when it's happening, like we both, the lines, both of our lines are busy because we're calling one another to talk about these shows. <laughs> even when she was living here, if I wasn't at her house watching it with her, she would be calling me or I would be calling her. So she was present every, in every step of my life. Even if she didn't agree with my choices, she was still present. And that was the hardest thing for me is knowing that she was not going to be able to be present physically anymore. That was, oh my God, that was so hard. And even sometimes now when I'm just like, I want my mom, 
I watched this commercial. I had my daughter cracking up the other day. There's this new commercial that's coming on for Mother's Day. And I don't know who, what company or whatever, but I just remember the commercial. When it first starts, it's this guy. All you see is somebody coming into the house. It's a grown man and a mother. And you see suitcases. So it makes it look like the guy is coming to visit his mom. So when he comes in, all that's all you see. They go to the kitchen and they began to cook. And she's teaching him how to make her famous, um, like strawberry cheesecake cupcakes. Mm-hmm. And she's teaching him how to do this, teaching him how to do that. And he goes out and sets the table. And she's like, good job, you know. And so it looks like he's really coming to visit his mom. But all of a sudden, another young lady, his wife, walks in with, with a baby on her hip. And she was like, are those my mom's cupcakes? And he's like, yeah. She was like, because she's looking at the tip. She's like, you didn't have to do that. And when she asks about the cupcakes, he moves back. And her mom is standing there. And she has this ultimate, like, oh, my mom, you made it. And I mean, it was so genuine in this commercial that mm-hmm. I sat at the edge of my bed the other night and I wept. I began to cry because I was like, oh, my God, I want my mom. Like, that's some serious stuff. Like, when you see mom show up, like, for me, that was everything. And my mom showed up on the scene. Oh, everything is fine. Now, when I did, I was always in plays or some kind of productions in school. And she was usually behind the scenes helping. She had, you know, sold costumes or helped with this, help with that. But when I looked out in that audience and I saw my mom's face, I could spy her face. It was over. Oh, you got the best performance you ever had. So yeah, those things. And I took that and I made sure that that's what I did for Ashley. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're doing for my granddaughters. My granddaughter, the seven-year-old can always tell you because anytime she has to go somewhere or visit you know, her dad and stuff like that, she really doesn't want to go. She'll go, well, I wish I could just be with you. And I'm like, well, what does grandma always tell you? And the first thing she'll say that you will always come and get me. You will always be there for me. And she remembers that I've been saying that to her since she was about two. Mm-hmm. I will always be there. We're, we're going to show up for you no matter what. So, you know, we took, I took those things and now it's being cultivated from my daughter to her daughter. And between, and my daughter had, I had a bad time, but she, you know, she had a bad time through that because like I said, it was the three of us and she, her and my mom were very close, extremely close. But she took on the role of making sure I was okay because she was the only thing she could say was if I miss my mom, my grandma, I can only imagine how my mother feels. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, we're balancing through, but the memories are the ones that now I'm realizing that are making us stronger and we get through it. Yeah. I love what she said. There's no shortage. There's no shortage of memories. We have plenty of good times right. to get <laughs> We can pull out some doozies. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Did you have like a last thought or word that you wanted to say as we wrap up? I know I touched on it, but the one thing I want to encourage everyone, if you lose a parent, especially a mom, anybody that you love and you care for, make sure you go through the process of just handling the emotions that come with it. Because I, I sat down for five years feeling guilt because I wasn't there when she passed away in the hospital. It wouldn't have changed anything, even if I was there. So just feeling, you know, whatever you're feeling, just go through it and process it and know that you can come through, you can come out of this. And if you have that mom that is still here, cherish the moments. Don't let a day, I don't care what's wrong, who's upset. Don't let a day go without talking to your parents. Like, because, or any, again, any loved one, mine is really about my mom. Like, even when she made me mad or I made her upset, what I would do is, just we were, I was like, mom, I got to excuse myself from this conversation for a minute. 
and I'll get off. And then I'll call about an hour or two later and we go in just like ain't nothing happened. So don't let those times, don't let these, this time, because right now we're living in a time that's passing pretty fast. It's going really fast. So because of that, I would encourage everyone, reach out to your parents, reach out to your mom, talk to them, you know, no matter what is going on, don't have a day where you're not, where you're frustrated and then something could happen and then you're really feeling that pain when she's gone. But talk to her, cherish her, because it doesn't come with a manual, good, bad, or indifferent. She's still mom. Right, and a happy Mother's Day on that note. (laughs) Happy Mother's Day. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. And that is a wrap. Of course, y'all, I'm not going to let this Mother's Day episode go by without saying Happy Mother's Day and giving a special shout out to my very own mother, whom without her, this work would not exist. I'm able to see parents as people because my mom allowed me to know her as a person. And honestly, it is one of the greatest gifts that, I mean, Mom's giving me a lot. It's kind of hard to say what's the greatest gift, but right now today, it has been one of the greatest and most valuable gifts is my mom allowing me to know her, to know who she is as a person, to let me know that she is human (laughs) and she is a human who loves me and who sacrificed for me and who just did what she needed to do to make my life, our life, our family what it is today and i truly i truly do value her and love her and love our relationship well you hopefully she's listening i love you mom and i thank you i thank you for everything that you've ever done and again without you this work would not be possible without your support and love many of things in my life would not have been possible honestly it's one of those things that words just can't always express but i hope that you feel it and for everybody listening call your mom, call your mom, go visit your mom. If she's close enough, go see her, hug her, love on her, tell her thank you. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you guys so much for listening. I truly hope that you enjoyed this episode. If something in it resonated with you, please share this with a friend and a loved one. You can also leave a rating and a review so other people can find us. Check me out at my website, parentsrpeople.net. You can also find me on Instagram at parents, the letter R, people. And you can come on there to look at some pictures and discuss the episode and find some good quotes and snippets there. Thanks for listening.